This is Ian Dayborn on Cambridge 105 Radio. In Canada, doing some research in the Arctic and in some uh, mountainous sites too. I'm a, an ecologist and climate researcher. So we were all around uh, in the mountains near Whitehorse and then up to an island called Kikatara, Kershaw Island, at the very north of the Yukon uh, Territory. So that's, uh, if you can imagine the, the top of Canada, there's a little island right at the top of the Yukon um, next to the border with Alaska. So I was there for about a month. And yeah, my summer's just been filled with lots of traveling, lots of hiking, setting up cameras, climate loggers, wildlife encounters. And in terms of wildlife encounters, tell me about some of the wildlife that you saw. Mostly we just saw grizzly bears. So that's constantly a risk oh. of walking around up the mountain, yelling out, hello bear, (laughs) Um, hey bear, (laughs) just so they can hear you and move out the way. But then in the the tundra where there aren't any trees, it's harder to, well, it's easier to see bears, but it's harder to escape. (laughs) Um, We had to uh, be quite cautious. And we did actually see a couple of grizzlies out in the field. And what advice are you given? What are the do's and the don'ts? It depends on the bear species. For, For grizzlies, it's just a matter of keeping out of their way, not provoking them um so when we did see them we just kind of uh use our best judgment about how far away they were uh and how many of us were out in the group sometimes we just had to abandon our work for the day and hike back home sometimes it was enough just to to keep a distance uh but we also saw a lot of muskox that was causing a lot of my problems for my research because these big sort of bison-like creatures would knock over my uh time-lapse cameras so oh yeah (laughs) occupational hazard and in terms of the bears do you have to be careful about leaving food around will they come if you leave food out will they come will they come and find it yeah if you're camping um that's definitely a risk and i think people when they're hiking out in these areas will have to put food in sacks up trees for that reason uh we were staying in um cabins uh and there were wildlife ranges around so uh where we were living was was pretty safe for bears And in terms of the research you were doing, what were the kind of things that you were trying to look into? The effects of climate change on vegetation change in these areas. So uh, when the climate warms, it encourages uh, plant growth. A lot of uh, species are moving further north and areas are getting more shrubby over time. We call it shrubification, which is a bit of a goofy word. But (laughs) but, yeah, looking into those changes over time. So I was putting a lot of uh, time lapse cameras up around uh, the area, uh, just carrying big tripods up and down hills. Um, and we're leaving those there for, for the foreseeable. So next year we can go and collect those memory cards and kind of track how the growing season's changing over the year. So that should be quite exciting. But then my research group was also doing a lot of drone research. So flying drones over the, the sea cliffs on the island. Permafrost is, is quite a big uh, system up there. So permanently frozen soil that's melting and degrading away. So the landscape is changing really quickly. So the drone surveys help to capture that. And are you seeing the effects of global warming when you go to these places, Elise? When we go up there, there are researchers and rangers who've been year on year, and they'll tell stories about how the landscape has changed and show you pictures of what things look like uh, sure. way back when. One of our sites, we we track, we take a picture in the same spot every year and you can see that uh, the amount of shrubs and vegetation just explodes over the last 30 years. Completely different landscape. Interestingly enough, we had lots of weather issues <laughs> this summer with logistics, um, namely that the airstrip got flooded. So there's way more like, storm surges and flooding events 
So uh, on this island, the settlement area is constantly inundated with water. So that was quite a shocker. And we don't want to scare people who don't like flying. But you had some flying experiences, didn't you? Tell me a bit about that. To get up to the uh, remote island site, you've got to take a plane, first of all, up to Inuvik, which is one of the towns um, up in Northwest Territories that you use to get to the island. Um, And from there, you take a little propeller plane called a Twin Otter. And they're tiny, maybe like five or six people can fit on them, plus your gear. And they're okay. They're a little bit wobbly, um, but they can't fly in storms. They can't really fly in the fog because the visibility is low and you don't have like the big kind of control towers you would around a normal airport. So on our way back, we were kind of stuck between storms and flooding, that sort of thing. And we flew out on a fairly foggy day (laughs) and the planes can't fly in the fog or above the fog. They've got to be below. So that whole journey back uh, from the island to the mainland, um, we were about 10, 15 meters above the water the whole time. And there's a little plane, scariest flight I've ever taken. It was fine. We landed. Would you get on one again? Well, I have to. So yeah. (laughs) Part of the job, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I bet that wasn't in the application form though, was it? (laughs) Yeah, you expect a bit of a higher flight than that, but yeah. When you come back to the UK after all of this, uh, seeing bears and traveling on these hairy trips on planes. What do you then have to do? Is that when the real work starts? So um, one of the things I did this summer was collect a load of uh, soil samples. And we're looking at uh, root growth in these sites to see how the below ground kind of world is changing. Because we just, it's easy to look at what's happening above ground with these cameras, which we will do next year. But below ground, it's nice to get a sense of what the roots are doing in different locations. So most of my days at the moment, I'm in the lab Tell me about some of the places that uh, you'll be going over the next tw- six, 12 months. I'm finishing my PhD in the next year, so I don't think I'll be going to the same site, but I would love to, to go up to Svalbard. So that's a Norwegian island quite close to the North Pole, very high Arctic, and that'd be really cool. I've been doing some research with a Norwegian team with data from there, so that would be pretty cool. But mostly, sadly, I'll be in Edinburgh, <laughs> working away in my lab, <laughs> occasionally coming back to the fens. And when you're in your lab, at least, do you wear a white coat? Yeah, white coat, purple gloves. Well, listen, it's been lovely to catch up with you and hear about those adventures with the bears. And I'm pleased that you survived it all and uh, were able to come and tell us about it. Oh, thanks. I'm also happy I survived. This is Ian Dable. Cambridge 105 Radio.